Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. 2 Timothy 22 and verse number 23. I broke this up because there's just so much inside of this tonight, and so uh, we'll deal with just these two verses this evening and gain instruction from them. All right, reading 2 Timothy 2 and verse 22. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, Peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. Let's be seated and I'll pray. Father, we do give you thanks for tonight and thank you for the testimonies of your people. Lord, thank you for working in our hearts and uh, thank you for uh, helping us to, to know you, know you in our lives on a daily basis in the practical areas of our life. And Lord, even tonight as we just consider this matter of uh, dealing with things that might affect our endurance for you, Lord, I pray that you would give us grace to do that, give it clarity in our, in our hearts. Would you, by your Holy Spirit, open up your word? And Lord, we also pray for our church family, those that are not feeling well, those that are sick. I think of uh, Brother Huey's friend and uh, this uh, fire chief's uh, sister, Lord, with the, the COVID. We, we just ask, Lord, that you would restore them, bring them off the ventilators, that you would uh, help uh, the doctors to have wisdom. Lord, and would you work miracles? We thank you for what you have done in lives that we know. Uh, thank you for what you've done in Miss Gail's life. And uh, Lord, we ask for our Miss Joanne. We pray that you just raise her up, encourage her heart, and strengthen her. And we just ask that you bring us back together as a church family uh, from sickness, any of that, and also, as we settle down from the summer, Lord, I, I pray that you just bring us back and that we be together and just be rejoicing in you, learning together, growing in you. Thank you for uh, what you've given us in this place, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in this passage of Scripture, uh, it's really in the context of Paul encouraging Timothy to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And we all understand we need that. We, uh, we understand from even what we looked at this morning that hardness is coming, hardness has always been here, but even greater hardness is coming, and we need to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. As Paul gets down uh, through this passage of Scripture, he comes to this, uh, these two verses and really um, encourages Timothy with some commands. There's two commands, uh, specific commands, in verse number 22, and there's another command in verse number 23, and he says, I need you to be doing this. If you're going to endure, if you're going to go all the way for Jesus Christ, if you're going to end the course well, these need to be in place. And so we've titled the message just dealing with it, and uh, that's not the idea, deal with it, you know, kind of like one of those uh, 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 throwing off the issue, but the deal with the things that are in our hearts that might affect our endurance. 
Now, uh, I, I went to the doctor this past week. He talked to me a little bit about uh, my eating and making sure that I am eating, making sure that I'm eating breakfast and not just having coffee for breakfast, that type of stuff. And so he talked to me a little bit. If I don't um, put that type of stuff in practice, it will cause me to have problems down the road. In fact, uh, he talked to me. He says, your heart is directly affected by what you're doing right now. And so he talked to me about some of that stuff, and I took that into mind. Uh, that's the kind of something I want to be paying attention to. And so if we don't deal with those things in the moment, if we don't deal with things right now, it can cause a problem later down the road. So Paul is saying, Timothy, I want you to deal with these particular things. Now he gets into, later on, the last three verses of this passage of Scripture. He deals with the matter of being a gentle servant, and he was going to encourage him in that way. But before he deals with that, Timothy, you need to deal with these things that are in front of you. If a if a school child, a, a teenager, goes to a guidance counselor or a, a counselor to, to kind of help get you know, some ideas about uh, directing their course into their adult years, you know, getting into a career and so forth, the, the counselor might say, you need to do this, this, you need to pull up the grade here, you need to do this in order to get where you want to go. We all want to endure for Jesus Christ, do we not? We do not in any way want to quit on Christ. We want to be faithful to the finish line. And so take this as a little bit of Paul coming alongside of you and I through the, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and saying, hey, deal with this, this, and this. This will help you make sure that you get to the finish line. And so Paul's going to deal very practically with Timothy. And first off, he says, I want you to flee something. And here's what we need to look at here. We need to deal with our direction. Where are we going in life? Your direction right now, where your feet are pointed. Sometimes I, I'll be working with folks and, 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 and it gives me such encouragement to know that their feet are pointed in the right direction. They may not be all, all, the, way, all the way where they need to be, but their feet are pointed in the right direction. They're going in the right direction. It makes all the difference in the world, right? And so Paul's saying, hey, you need to deal with your direction. First of all, this matter of fleeing from something. Let's read that verse 22 together. Flee also youthful lust. All together, flee also youthful lust. Now, immediately in our minds, some of you mature folks here tonight are saying, well, that's not, that's not me. I don't need to flee anything. No, every one of us needs to flee youthful lust. Now, this is not just pertaining to uh, teenage lusts or the lust of a child. But this is pertaining to uh, certain things that, that are common among those that are younger uh, and, and even younger in the faith. But Paul says, flee these things, shun them, run away from them, avoid them deliberately. I wrote down as I was thinking about this, don't delay. Run from it. As soon as you realize that it's wrong, as soon as you realize that this is something that is grievous to God, run from it. Don't look back. Don't gather more information about it. Don't take time to try to reform the situation. Well, I'll try to make this situation a little bit better. I don't need to leave it right, right now. The moment that you realize this is against God, the moment that you realize this is something that is from my flesh, run from it. Just run. And so immediately our minds go to uh, people like a Joseph, right? Joseph, who did not take time to, now Mrs. Potiphar, how should, we, how, should we, uh, how should we go about this situation? This is something that we, no, he just ran and left the coat in her hand. Uh, there was no debating about the situation. It was simply he ran. I, I think about, uh, about uh, Lot's wife as they were leaving Sodom and Gomorrah. You talk about people that weren't running. They're having to be dragged out of the city by the angels. And even at that, God said, don't look back. And what did Lot's wife do? She looks back and she's a pillar of salt. 
She looked back with long, longing eyes, this idea that, you know, we're leaving my homeland. And we understand that. You understand that there's some, there's some separation that was having to happen there. But God says, flee youthful lust. And you know what the Bible tells us? Five times, five times in the Bible, we are told to flee something. Flee something. Uh, in other words, God, God sees something for us as believers, as his children, as his followers, to be so dangerous for us that he literally says, I just want you to run. I want you to get out of town. I want you to get away from it. And he says this about the youthful lusts. Now, these youthful lusts don't just uh, refer to physical appetites. They certainly include that. But these physical lusts, these, these, these lusts, uh, are those that, uh, are, uh, that, that inordinate desire for money or for fame or for pleasure, they may also be that, that lust or that desire for self-will. I want to be the master of my own destiny. I want to have control of my life. It may be impatience. It might be pride. It might be levity or how the Bible says, you remember what the Bible says to the older men in the church to teach the younger men to be what? Sober. Sober. And that's a, that's a problem. There's an inordinate desire. There is a fleshly desire to just, everything's a game. Everything, you know, it, it's not going to come to an end. I have all of my life ahead of me. And God says, I want you to refuse. I want you to run away from those type of lusts. I want you to get out of town. I want you to get away from that. Timothy was probably 35 years or so of age by the time this was written to him. So it's not just referring to what the young people face. We can face those same type of youthful lusts. I want to be in charge of my own life. I want a position. I want fame. I want to be known. I want, I want people to recognize me in a certain way. I want to be self-sufficient. God says run from it. Run from it. But you know the Bible also says that we're to flee the love of money, we're to flee that. Why? Because the love of money, 1 Timothy 6 and verse number 10, is the root of all evil. Literally, it's the source of all evil. Don't we see that today? Don't we see that in people's lives? Money. And it's not just having money, right? It doesn't say having money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And a person can have money and it not have a, a hold of their heart. But a person can have very little but love money and they'll constantly pursue it. They'll constantly be carrying them away from God and constantly be carrying them into things that are against God. He says, flee this, flee this. I think about Judas who betrayed Jesus. You know, on Judas would have seen the love of Jesus Christ. He would have seen his care. He would have heard his message. He would have been up close and personal in the life of Jesus, but yet for money. Remember what happens when, when uh, the, uh, the woman broke open the alabaster box and Judas is standing back saying, this could, be, you know, this could have been sold and used for the poor and all this stuff. All of it was generated out of his heart for money. All of that. And even in that moment, what was done as a sacred act of worship towards Christ, he criticized because he loved money. He loved money. Because he held the bag. God also tells us to flee idolatry, 1 Corinthians 10 14. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee idolatry. What's idolatry? Putting anything in the place of God. Every single one of us needs to be mindful of that. Anything in the place of God. Let nothing take God's uh, sacred throne in our hearts. 
We are to flee fornication. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 18. Flee fornication for every sin that a man doeth is without the body. This is very important to understand what the Bible is saying here. Every sin is without the body, but this one. And so God says this is so dangerous, you need to flee it, you need to run out, you need to do exactly what Joseph did. Every sin is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And this literally affects the mind, the thinking. And God says, I want you to flee it, I want you to put it away. Any sexual sin outside of the bounds of marriage is off limits for us. And so God says, flee fornication, flee it. There are many today that that are bound by the baggage with that god forgives and the bible aren't you thankful for verses like romans 12 and verse number two that says that the the mind can be renewed and it can be but you know this this matter this is something you know i could i'll just speak i'll speak candidly this matter i don't i don't think that we as a church even the grace baptist church understand the tentacles of this verse and, and how much it affects people and how much it has affected our culture and how much accountability it requires and encouragement it requires and help to bring that renewing process by the, by the Holy Spirit of God. It's not just something you can say, well, I'll pray for you, brother, and then you know, expect it to all, all be taken care of. Friends, this is, a, this is a big deal. And so God says, I don't want you to do it in the first place, but after it happens, God is a forgiving God. Aren't you thankful for that? He sure is. But it does take work. Restoration is work. He also says to flee the wrath, uh, wrath to come. He told the Pharisees, he says, O generation of vipers, as they came out to his baptism, he says, O generation of vipers, who hath warned thee to flee from the wrath to come? And we need to warn people to flee from the wrath to come. There is coming a judgment. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, Romans 1.18 against the unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And there is a day coming. There is a judgment day coming. And oh, how they, um, people must flee that wrath to come. And that's our message. Hey, you don't want to be involved in that. You don't want to face God at the great white throne judgment. And so these things we must flee. And so Timothy, flee youthful lusts. But also, right along with fleeing, you can't truly flee something unless you're following after something. We sometimes try to do that. Well, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I don't do this, but what do you do? It's a replacement principle. What do you do? You put off the old man, and you need to do what? Put on the new man. There need to be replaced. And so God immediately says, here's what I want you to do, Timothy. Flee those things. Flee the youthful lust. Don't be all about position. Don't be all about your self-will or that you have all of life in front of you, Timothy. I want you to follow after this. Follow after righteousness, faith, charity, and peace. We follow after something. And so we pursue it with all of our heart. Again, a command. Paul Paul is giving Timothy a command. You need to be doing this today and every day after. You need to be doing it every moment of the day. And I wrote this down. Pursue. Uh, we will need to seek after. We need to run after something. We need to run after something. You know, sometimes when I'm leaving home, uh, the, the kids will uh, run after. They'll want to, um, they'll want to uh, do a run by, a run goodbye. You know, so they'll run along the, the road. Uh, and maybe get on a the bike, they'll do, the, uh, do that. And running after, they're pursuing after, and that, the idea of us uh, following after something, keeping our eyes on it, 
setting our priorities around it, not taking our eyes off of it, allowing our living to be ordered all the way around this one thing, following after. And so what does he say? Follow after righteousness. Follow after that holiness or that God-likeness. God told us that we are to be holy for I am holy. That needs to be our everyday pursuit. When you wake up tomorrow, God, I desire to walk with you. I desire to be like you today. I desire to exemplify that. I want that not to be for what other people see, but I want that for um, my relationship with you. I want sincere holiness between me and you. And this really is the doctrine of separation. The doctrine of being separate from sin. God has called us out of the world to himself, and he wants us to follow, pursue after that. Will you pursue after that this week? But what about faith? That God dependence. We walk by faith and not by sight, right? I love what Paul told the Corinthians in the first book of Corinthians, chapter one and verse number 24. He says, listen, I, I hear that you, you think that I'm trying to dominate your faith, that I'm trying to control you. Uh, not, not at all. That's not the idea at all. I, I wanna be a helper of your joy. I wanna help you along. But remember this, by faith you stand. By God dependence you stand. And he right there was helping the Corinthians understand, you're not dependent on me, you're dependent on God. By faith, we stand. Several years back, I think it was 2014, we had that theme. By faith, we stand. And that is so true. Every day, we need to be pursuing after that. We can get so much illustration from the lives of the, the ones in the hall of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, where we are given illustration after illustration of people who stood and walked by faith. You want to walk by faith? You want to live by faith? Read that. Allow their testimonies to touch your heart. So he says, I want you to follow after faith, but I also want you to follow after and pursue after charity, that, that love, that Christ's kind of love. It's interesting, as Paul encouraged Timothy in 1 Timothy, he says, I, I left you there in, in Ephesus, and I've left you there on a purpose, and he gave him a, a charge. He, he, he said, I, I'm charging you to tell other people not to teach any other doctrine, don't give heed to fables. And he was giving them a charge on how to order the church and how to uh, lead the church in a right way. And with that, he says in verse number five, now the end of the commandment or the end of the charge is this, Timothy, the, the aim of the, the charge, the aim of what you are to be doing there is charity. That's the goal. And he left Timothy with this idea that it wasn't just, just to go get this done, but Timothy, the, the whole goal of this is charity, then notice, out of a pure heart. And we'll get to that in a little, uh, a little bit later. And of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. So he says, Timothy, I want you to be focused on this matter of pursuing charity, making that your goal. Now, God tells us that all the law and the prophets hang on that one commandment, these two commandments, uh, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So this needs to be our pursuit. Who can we love this week? Well, we should love God, right? With all of our heart, soul, and mind. With all of our heart, soul, and mind. And we all have growing to do in that. How about you? I do. And uh, we'll have chances to grow in that uh, this week. We should pursue after that. I think of 1 Corinthians 13. It shows us so much of what real love is, what God wants us to be growing in. Read it. Allow God to say, hey, this is out of sorts. This is out of sorts. But you can, you can change it by aligning with the word of God. So uh, pursue after love. Follow after that. Run after it. But run after peace as well. And here particularly, it's um, peace with the brethren. Now notice, there's some false teachers that he's, he is to uh, let go. 
He's to sharply rebuke them. He's to warn people about. You can't have peace with those that, that are against God. Right? You understand that. But he was particularly here, he's saying, Timothy, I want you to pursue after peace, peace among the brethren. The verse on Peter 3 and verse 11 tells us that we are to eschew evil and we are to do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it, pursue after it, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is to be peace. We are to pursue after peace within the brethren, among the brethren. We're to pursue peace here. You know, if something comes up where there isn't peace, well, how can we work on towards the end of peace? How can we pursue peace in this situation? How can we bring peace to this family? How can we bring peace to this relationship that's broken apart? How can we pursue that? And we have that opportunity. And God is saying, I don't want you to have youthful lust. I want you to flee those, but this is what I want you to be following after. And so Timothy was to love all men, but it's not always possible to have peace with all men because we're not on the same page. We're not... They didn't believe the same. They were teaching false doctrine. That's, he's not saying, go, go yoke up with the, the false teachers. Be okay with them. And, and no, he's not saying that. But seek peace among the brethren. Seek peace. These are values we are to follow this week. And I encourage you about that. Isn't God so practical? Isn't he practical, friends? He is. Follow righteousness. Be holy like me. Be loving. Uh, seek peace. And, and, and pursue after these, these matters together. And so we want to do that with all of our heart. But if we're going to endure, we must deal with our direction, fleeing some things, following after some things. But we also must deal with our associations. Notice what he says to Timothy. You're to follow after these things with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. With them. Christianity is not a loner, a loner thing. God has called us to be a body together. Aren't you thankful for that? Um... I think I mentioned it, uh, but more recently I've been enjoying taking walks with my wife. And, I, you know, some, I don't know why we didn't before. I guess just, I don't know, just didn't. But we, we, we're doing that a little bit now. And I, I think one of the most blessed things that God has given in this life is the marriage relationship, right? And all the husbands should say amen. But it is also just that companionship. You know, God gave us the church body, Friends, if you're not married here tonight, uh, you're, you're, not, you're not subpar in any way. Please understand that. God gave us this, this church family that, that is wonderful. There's relationships, that companionship that as we can go along through life. That is amazing. And he says, I want you to follow after these things with them. This means we're talking about some things. We're talking about Hey, I'm struggling with this. I need to be more godlike in this area. Right? You can't follow after. I mean, it's not like you're just two isolated, uh, you know, two isolated people running down the same track. No, there's 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 a, there's a togetherness or a a withness uh, as as you're going through the Christian life together. And so he says, with them, in connection with, uh, as a family, as a community together. Hey, I hope that you have someone who knows you a little better than anyone else in the church. Someone who, who knows your struggle, knows what's going on in your life, knows where you're, go, uh, you're going, knows what your hope is, knows what your spiritual need is, is praying for you. God says we need to deal with our relationships. We need to go along with them in this, in this following after 
righteousness, and so on. So we need to seek out those that are seeking God. We need associations. We need friendships with those that are seeking God because he says, with them that call on the Lord. This idea of calling is to invoke the Lord, to invite him into my life. I, I want you to be a part of my life. Lord, I am in need of you today. And so he's, invo- he's saying, I want you, Timothy, to, to go after righteousness and peace and holiness and, and so on. I want you to go after that with those that are saying, God, I need you. Now, the particular word that God gives us here, this matter of calling, really speaks to both the act and the attitude of this calling. The act and the attitude. And what's the act? Well, a person's going to pray. They're going to be in communication with God. They're going to be praying without ceasing. They're going to be a prayerful person. Prayer is not going to be something that's foreign to them. It's going to be something that's a part of their life. And so the act is that prayer. But the, the, the attitude of seeking God is, is really that hard attitude that, that is acknowledging the fact, I need him. I need him. I need him every hour. Um, I need him as I go to my job. I need him as I, I raise my children. I need him as I, I cook this meal. I need him as I go to this meeting. I need him every hour. You know what this reminds me of? Is that I need to be seeking as a believer. If I have a heart to seek after faith and righteousness and charity and peace, I'm seeking out other brothers and sisters in Christ who are not awkward about praying together and say, hey, let's just pray about that. They're knowledgeable of the need of their own life and they're knowledgeable of where to go to get the need met. It's not awkward for them. And that's why I say to us, I really think that we need to be seeking out, seeking out opportunities to pray with one another and to offer that to one another. It's really, really powerful. It's really powerful. Someone suggested to me uh, this, this past week, and I began reading it, uh, the power of a praying husband. The power of, of a praying husband. And I think there's a power of a praying wife and, and so on. I've been reading through that and just, just thinking the power of, of you and I being able to say to another person, I'm praying and following through on that. Following through on that. Say, I'm praying for you. And... Uh, Paul is telling Timothy, I want you to go along in this pursuit, this direction that you're going with those that are seeking God. They're they're prayerful, and they're also uh, praying from this this hard attitude. I need God. And so as we think about our friends and our associations, our associations really determine our future. If you want to be closer to God in a year from now, go along with friends that are closer to God than you. And so the Bible tells us that evil communications corrupt good manners. We understand that. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but he that's a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. If we want to be closer to God, if we want to pursue after God, we better align ourselves with those that are pursuing after God. I like that verse, Proverbs 27, verse number 17 Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. You know the struggle that you're having spiritually? Maybe in the matter of righteousness. Boy, this this problem gets me every time. This attitude gets me every time. I I give in to arrogance, but that gets me. You know, someone else is having that same problem. And what a blessing it is to be able to pray along with somebody else and say, hey, would you pray for me about this? I'm really struggling in this area. 
and be open with one another. Isn't that what James talks to us about? Isn't that what James is saying, confess your faults one to another, that you might pray for one another, that you might be healed? Isn't that what's going on there? It's this openness, this transparency. We're on this journey together. Let's go along together. So God says, hey, deal with your associations. Deal with your associations. Let's not let our church associations just be a Sunday or a Wednesday thing. Let's be following up with one another all throughout the week. If God puts you on uh, someone on your heart, follow up with them, right? Get near to them. Ask them what's going on in their life. Give them a call. Pray, um, pray with them. You know, sometimes here, here's something I, I've tried before and, and have used before. Maybe I, I can't get, uh, get with a person to pray with them or whatever, but I might just write down the prayer I'm praying and send it to them. And just let them know, hey, you're on my heart, and I'm bringing you to, the, uh, to my Father, and I want, I want you to know this is what I'm asking for you. Paul did that, didn't he? He wrote down prayers in the Bible, didn't he? I think we can write down prayers in a text message. Isn't that all right? And so uh, we want to be with those that are seeking God, but notice with those that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So out of a pure heart. He did not say uh, out of a pure life. He said out of a pure heart. Isn't that very interesting? He says out of a pure heart, a guiltless, a clean heart. We sang that song, 803, uh, vessels for the master's use, those that are cleansed in their, uh, as a vessel, they're cleansed before the Lord. He's saying, I want you to be with them that are calling out to God, that are seeking God out of a pure heart. Their heart is sincere. It's without guile. It's not levering for something. It's not just being uh, spiritual on Sunday just to, to kind of impress some folks. That's not the person to run along with if you want to be close to God. He says, I want you to go with those that that, that have purity of heart. Now, when Paul said to Timothy that the end of the commandment or the charge I'm giving you is, the aim of this is love, he said, love out of a pure heart, a sincere heart. We can't even show love in the right way. We can't show Christ's love out of any other kind of heart. Oh, we certainly cannot. And so he wants him to call out uh, uh, with those that have a pure heart. The heart is so important. That's why the Proverbs tells us, keep thy heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it are the issues of life. And how is it that we can tell a person that has a pure heart? Well, that's a good question. Because you know what? We as individuals, we can, we can really let some folks down. We can really put up the, we can really put up the, the facade. God help us with that. And each one of us are capable of that, aren't we? Aren't we? We're capable of that. Because in our, in our pride, we want to appear well. We want to appear well. And so we can, we can do that. But how can you tell a person with a pure heart? Well, Jesus said that by your, their fruits you shall know them. By their fruit. What's the fruit of that person's life you're getting close to? What, is, what, what surrounds their life? What's the outflow of their life? I can tell that Paul was led of the Spirit. Why? Because he showed love to the Philippian jailer. No man in his right mind does that. No fleshly man does that. He was singing. There was joy. And no one sings in the midst with a bloody back and with, with, with uh, shackles on their feet if they're not filled and infused by the Holy Spirit of God. We could tell a little bit about Paul's heart from the way that he was acting. You see that pure habits come from a pure heart. Pure habits come from a pure heart. And that's the type of person that we need to spend time with, and that's the type of person that is spending time in the presence of God. What does Psalm 24 tell us? 
who has ascended into the hill of the Lord? Who's gone up into the hill of the Lord? It says there, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath, notice, clean hands, but he doesn't leave it there. He says, in a pure heart. A pure heart. You know, God wants purity in our habits and in our heart. He wants both. Those are the people that are spending time in God's presence. That's what Psalm 24 says. That's the type of people that I need to be with if I'm going to follow after righteousness, if I'm going to follow after charity, if I'm going to follow after peace. That's the type of person that I need to be with. Now notice this person that has clean hands and a pure heart, they don't, um, they don't swear deceitfully. They've not lifted up their soul in pride and arrogance and vanity and emptiness. Uh, he shall receive blessing from the Lord. They're walking in the spiritual blessing of the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. So Paul's saying, listen, Timothy, these are the people you need to be associated with, those that are seeking God out of the purity of their heart. Out of the purity of their heart. Uh, you're going to have folks in your life that, that aren't pure in heart that you're trying to bring to the Lord, but the people that you need to be running with, the people that you need to be the closest with, if you want to be close to God, you want to be going in the right direction from now till Jesus comes is those that are seeking God out of the purity of their heart. Number three, I want us to notice this. We need to deal with our communication. Oh man, there's those words that come up again. Don't our words get us in trouble? <laughs> oh man, I pray sometimes, uh, not every day, I, prob I probably should, but Lord, set a watch, O oh Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Help me not to say something Dumb. Just foolish. We need to deal with our communication. Yeah, our words matter. The discussion we engage in. Do you know James says that our, our tongue can create a fire? It can cause all sorts of problems. It can burn down things. Yeah, it can cause all sorts of problems. And so the discussions that we engage in matter. God warns us a lot about discussions and words that we say. He says, don't, don't gossip, don't, don't be dishonest, don't slander, don't be self-exalting in your, in your words. Don't murmur, don't complain. Do you know there was a whole lot of judgment that came against the children of Israel just for that murmuring? And yet, how often in a day do we murmur? So convicting. So convicting. Our words matter. How does God tell us to deal with our conversation? Verse 23, look at it. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean someone who asks a dumb question? No, this is someone who is, who is trying to ask a question to stump someone or to get the, uh, the, 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 the advantage over. I think we could, uh, we could illustrate it with the Pharisees. Oh, Jesus, there was a man who was, uh, you know, he, he died and his wife was left and, and she married the brother and this happened seven times. Now, which one is she going to be married to in the kingdom? Yeah. Let's trip him up in his words. And God says, no, I don't want you to be engaged in that type of conversation. Uh, in college, they used to call it snack, uh, snack shop theology. It was, it was just kind of the theology, the banter that went back and forth, uh, you know, among the uh, the the. Uh, the the very astute freshman, right? 
you know, the, the ones who knew the Bible well. And God says, I don't want you, to, I don't want you to, um, devolving into that type of conversation. That really doesn't go anywhere. We are to earnestly contend for the faith, are we not? We are to hold up the faith. So God is not saying, don't deal with issues. Don't, don't stand up for the faith. We are to earnestly contend for the faith. We are to hold forth the word of truth. We're not to let the truth go in any way. And that's something we need to be mindful in this day. But there are some in our culture right now that, that will be presenting foolish and unlearned questions. What do we do with that? Do we get tied all up in that? Do we get bottled up in that, bundled up in those, those conversations? There are some conversations and debates that will never end. And God's saying, just keep your focus in the right place. Keep looking to Jesus. Keep going forward. Keep doing what you know to do. Some questions don't need to be answered. Avoid them. Refuse them. Reject them. Forsake them. Stop. Plan not to engage. Don't entertain the thought of engaging it. Don't go down that road. Put it out of your mind. The idea of questions here is debate. It's dispute. It's controversy. Put it out of your mind. Get rid of it. And he says, do all things without murmuring and disputing. That's exactly what he's saying here. Don't be engaging in these disputes, these debates. He says, says specifically that these are foolish debates, ungodly. They're not. The goal isn't to, to breed godliness. It's foolishness. Now, this has always interested me. Proverbs 26 and verses 4 and 5. Answer not a fool according to his folly lest thou be like unto him. Interesting. That's pretty clear. I'm not to answer a fool according to his folly. An ungodly man in his unlearned, foolish questions, these ungodly questions, there's not a desire to be more like God. It's, I want to catch you. I want to trip you up. So answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. Okay. Next verse. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. So how do you deal with that? I'm thankful we have the Holy Spirit of God to help us to know when to answer and when not to answer. But God says, don't get caught up in all of that. Arguing the biblical importance or a biblical value, the importance of biblical values with most of this culture right now is like raking leaves in a windstorm. Do you understand what I mean? So we go out there and try to tell them how that we need to stand on the word of God. They don't have an understanding of that. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. They're spiritually discerned. Without Christ, they, they don't have a spiritual understanding. So what does God say? Don't get caught up in that. Sometimes we get, we get off target of the gospel or off target of things that we really need to be doing because we're debating things with people that will never come to the understanding until they come to Jesus Christ, until their heart is changed. That's their first need. These unlearned, uninstructed, or illogical questions and really this is coming from a person who's not teachable they don't want to be instructed they're devoid of understanding do you really think that the the news really wants when they quote scripture that they really want to have a vibrant understanding i i saw a, i saw something just recently uh someone uh you know talking about uh, a, a, a preacher, a teacher, and he says, uh, the news commented on him that he is, he is biblically illiterate. Biblically illiterate. And they're, they're talking about this, and I'm thinking, you know what, it's amazing to me how the world just jumps on that bandwagon and begins to comment ab about the, you know, someone's lack of Bible knowledge who has spent their whole life 
in studying, uh, studying the Bible and understanding it. And it's, it's this heart. That they're not looking to be taught. They're looking to catch up. You know, catch them up, trip, uh, trip them up. And so Timothy, over and over, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 4, don't give in to the um, fables, the endless genealogies, the, 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 uh, which men, uh, minister questions. Uh, focus on godly, edifying speech. Focus on that. Go that way. Don't give in, Titus 3 and verse 9, uh, the, the foolish questions. Foolish questions and debates are not new to America in 2021. They're not. They were going on in Paul's day, and what did he tell the preacher boys then? Don't get caught up in it. Now, I'm just going to say this. Much of what we see as debates, uh, I'm not against social media. You see I'm on it. I'm not against social media. It has, its, it has its pluses and its great minuses, right? But you know what? Have you noticed that you don't win very many arguments on social media? People go there to learn, right? They go there to learn and to receive instruction, right? No. They go there to tell you something. And so let me just encourage you, maybe one of the places where this is important to understand is, is right within, within our conduct on social media. Don't, don't get caught up. Don't lose your lunch. Don't lose your day and your focus and what God has called you to do and the purpose you have for Monday by getting involved in some argument on social media that, that really is just going to engender more strife. You say, well, i got to stand there. But perhaps no one wants to listen there. Perhaps, perhaps that conversation isn't going to do any good there. And so I, 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 I say we have to be led of the Holy Spirit in these matters. And this requires humility and really the ability to just simply commit things to God. God, do you see this conversation? It really irks me that this conversation is going on. It irks me that this debate is being had. But I'm going to commit it to you and let you deal with it. And I'm going to stay focused on what you called me to do. Does it make sense? So that's what Paul is, is telling Timothy to do as a young preacher uh, boy. And maybe we could boil it down in this way. You know, contentious conversations will hold our hearts hostage, don't they? You go home with that contentious conversation in your mind. They hold your heart hostage. They deplete us of our direction. They, they cause us to lose sight. They pillage our purpose. They hinder the Holy Spirit's ministry in and through our lives. Why? Because we get all bound up and get grieved and agitated, and so the Holy Spirit becomes grieved. And so let's just learn not to engage or to refuse the debates, but then recognize they're dangerous. He goes on to say, knowing they do gender strife. They, they're literally the parent of strife. They produce, that's the word, they gender, they breed strife. And so they breed an open battle, an open clash between two people. And God wants us to know this as a fact, not because we've experienced it, but because God says it will gender strife. And so we say, oh, Lord, I'm not going to get involved in that because it's going to cause strife that, that doesn't need to happen and I, you don't want me to be engaged in. And so how do I make sure, how do you make sure that we don't engage in these type of conversations? Check your heart. Check your heart. Check my heart. Why? The problem of the heart is always the heart of the problem. And sometimes the reason that we stay in that debate is because I want to win. Not because our goal is godliness, love, charity, peace, any of those things. But I want to win. I want to have the last word. And so the problem isn't the conversation. Sometimes the problem isn't even what's being discussed. It's, it's I have to, I, I need to win in this situation. 
And so these battles become a product of our own lust, this desire that, that, that accompanies an unsatisfied state in my own heart. I need to feel like I'm the victor here. I conquered. I, I finally broke through. And so I, I, I stay in the debate. I stay in this, this battle. And God says, no, 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 no. I don't want you, I don't want you focusing on that. This is going to hinder your endurance for the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, if we're with contentious people, we're going to be contentious, right? So James tells us that wars and fightings come from our own lust. And uh, we have to believe that. Even sometimes we get in the, involved in conversations that, that the pursuit is not godliness, the pursuit is not righteousness. It's something that I feel unsatisfied with in my own heart. And so I stay in this in order to try to get some satisfaction. The solution is that, is my heart in love with Jesus Christ? Is God everything I need? Even if I lose this and I have to walk away from this situation, even if I lose all, you know, my, you know, what people perceive me, if I have to walk away from this situation, am I going to be satisfied that I have the smile of God? Am I going to be satisfied? And so we remember that God tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we have to check our heart. We have to check our heart. So none of us endure by accident, right? None of us will. Timothy wouldn't, Paul wouldn't, none of us endure by accident. And that's what Ephesians really comes down to when Paul says in chapter 5, you walk circumspectly, walk circumspectly. It's going to take persistent, daily choices on your part what to, to, to guard your direction, to deal with your direction. Where am I going today? Am I fleeing the right things? Am I following after the right things? Guard my associations. Am I walking with those that are wise? Those that are seeking God out of a pure heart? Am I watching my mouth? Or am I engaging in some things that, that really don't honor God and really don't bring me to godliness? They're, they're pretty empty. So you see how that, that would help us to, to endure for the Lord Jesus Christ. And shall we just ask the Lord to help us tonight as we would go into this week? Would you bow with me here for a moment? And let's just ask the Lord to help us with this. Lord, would you help me in my direction and there might be something that you need to flee tonight, some youthful lust, something that you've allowed in your heart, some pride, some position, some, something that God says, no, this, you need to flee this. You need to run the other way. Would you do that tonight? Would you tell the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry that I've, I've even dabbled with that, but tonight I'm going to flee and I'm going to follow after righteousness. I'm going to follow after faith, depending on you. I'm going to follow after charity. I'm going to love you and love those that you've placed in my life with all my heart, soul, and mind. Oh, Lord, I'm going to follow after peace with the brethren. As you pray there tonight, would you seek the Lord about your associations? Are you aligned with some people here in the church that, that are helping you? Are you being a help to them, seeking God out of a pure heart? What about your associations? Are they helping you get closer to God? What kind of association are you? Would you consider your communication? Are there some debates that you just get in that really, really don't help anyone on to godliness? Maybe you should forsake, avoid, shun. Father, would you help us tonight as your people? We love you, and I thank you for these folks that have gathered here tonight. As a, as a testimony of, of their desire to seek you. 
Lord, I pray that this week you just help us in these practical matters that we might please you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode, and please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for checking out this episode. I look forward to having you join us again right here on the Grace Baptist Church podcast.